Welcome, listeners, to our review of Scream 3. Are you listening to me? Huh? Who is this? Just one question. Do you think it's over, Sydney? Do you? Scream 3, released in 2000, written by Aaron Kruger, directed by Wes Craven. The story continues on while Sydney and her friends visit the Hollywood set of Stab 3, the third film based on the Woodsboro murders. Another ghostface killer rises to terrorise them. Here we go. Starring David Arquette, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, Patrick Dempsey, Scott Foley, Lance Hendrickson, Jenny McCarthy, Emily Mortimer, Parker Posey, and Patrick Warburton. What do you think of that cast? I think it's pretty good. I like seeing Emily Mortimer. Patrick Warburton is funny. Uh, Scott Foley's a douche. Oh, not a Scott Foley fan. I mean, I was looking, I actually looked up his IMDb uh, after seeing this. I was like, I know him. What do I know him from? I don't know what Scrubs. I know him from. Maybe I saw him on Felicity. Surely Scrubs. Yeah, that's it. Scrubs. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, he's he's just an ultimate TV actor. He seems to be doing all right for himself. Music once again by Marco Beltrami. So you may have noticed that this film is uh, a lot less violent than the first two films. Did you pick up on that by any chance? Not overly, no. Oh, okay. Because this came out just shortly after the Columbine murders, and they were, you know, having a bit of Ouch. fear that they, yeah, they needed really, they really needed to tone down the violence of this film and, and focus more on the comedy of this film. I mean, actually, wasn't the Columbine murders surrounded by that controversy of they were watching, you know, violent movies or playing violent games? Like, wasn't that a mm-hmm. thing with the Columbine killings? Yep. Yep. So, uh, bad timing for Scream 3. They did have a script ready to go that had, you know, it was quite violent script. It actually centered around uh, Woodsboro again, uh, around the school. And they're like, nah, you can't do any of this now. You got to, like, we got to change it all. So, they had to rewrite Holy the script. Holy shit. I didn't even make that yeah. connection. Yeah, of course. Like, yeah. it's all, it's all, it's all at a school. Jesus. Yeah. So, they, they settled on Hollywood and, you know, a film within a film, that sort of stuff. Now, all these all these actors here are starting to get a little big now in their careers. Uh, Nev, Nev Campbell's contract only allowed her to be on the set for 20 days because she was too busy doing uh, another movie called Drowning Mona and she was still filming Party of Five at the same time. That's why you don't see so much of her in this film. Yeah, I did wonder why it took her so long to actually join the rest of the, the actors in the main storyline. Neve Campbell, I mean, she didn't exactly explode, did she? We've probably talked about this. I guess Party of Five was getting big. Late 90s, early 2000s is like peak Neve Campbell. Okay. She certainly has dropped off, although she, I think she did have some sort of late resurgence, didn't she? With what? Scream 4? Nah, I feel like she was on a TV show, like a respected TV show. Mm, you know more about TV shows than I do. I, I can't remember her from anything else except what we've already spoken about. Okay, I know what I'm thinking of. She's in 25 episodes of House of Cards. Okay, okay, I haven't, haven't so, seen that. Yeah, that. In my mind, that's what I was thinking. A, a good TV show that she was in, yeah. Also, in Skyscraper, which is a good movie. Oh, God, I had that out of my mind until you mentioned that. So I think I said on the original Scream breakdown that David Arquette and Courtney Cox may have met on the set of Friends because that episode was done prior to the first Scream. They did, I'm pretty sure... They actually never filmed any scenes together in that episode. So they actually did meet on the set of Scream. They were dating in real life in Scream 2, and they actually got married a month before the principal photography for this movie began. They actually cut their honeymoon short in order to film this. Okay. So this this would be them in their, you know, their height of lust. I'd be love now, wouldn't it? I guess. I, I don't understand it looking at either of them. Just putting that out there. <laughs> you don't see you don't see the match. <laughs> 
no, not at all. He is a dweeby, weird-looking guy. And, like, you mentioned her hair last week. And I thought, <laughs> how bad could it be? Wow. Wow. How oh, did mate, anyone how- <laughs> think that that fringe was a good idea? Like, did she cut that herself? Oh, man. It's like, yeah, straight across with the scissors. No, it's not even a straight cut. It's like so <laughs> jagged. At least uh, in Scream 2, they mention her stupid streaks. They don't even mention it like, yeah, that's normal. People people always walk around with that fringe. It's horrendous. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I'm so glad you picked up on that like immediately. Now, we before we continue, we have to address uh, an argument we had on the, uh, the Scream 2 breakdown about the uh, potential relationship of Gail and Dewey, which I don't, I don't agree with anymore. I don't oh, think it's fair because you've already because you've already seen Scream Three where they openly talk about them having a relationship. It's not yeah, fair. Yeah, but I didn't like, remember any of that. Obviously, I didn't the poll, any of that. Obviously, these people answering the poll have seen Scream Three, know it off by heart, and know that they talk about this relationship that they've already had in between Scream One and Scream Two. That does not fly with me that oh you put this poll up like eh. I go off I maintain that at the end of Scream 2 you cannot have assumed at all that they've had a relationship and it works better that they haven't dude I didn't know anything I can't remember anything about Scream 3 all I all I was going off the basis was my knowledge of the first Scream and the second Scream which we had just watched okay bullshit it's got nothing to do it's got no don't give me this bullshit I saw the film like fucking eight years ago you think I'm going to remember you know the relationship they had after the fact yes it was ingrained no. in your mind no, and this isn't about fact. I'm telling you, it's I have no about idea fact. about it. Oh, here we go. The truth comes it's out, Endo. It's, it's not, not about fact. It's not about after the it's fact. It's about what dickhead. I want. <laughs> uh, don't try and win an argument with Hendo ever, guys, because it's not about fact. <laughs> it's not about after the fact, you twat. Look, Go look at all the polls. Fucking killed you. Come on. That was off the base of one and two. And it's not like anyone commented saying, yes, you can, yes, they did, because in Scream 3, they had the conversation about that. No one said that. They didn't have to. They already knew it. We got one comment here who says it's not really a debate. They pretty much say it during Scream 2 without how they're acting towards each other. Okay, I'm gonna give I'm gonna read you the longest reply we had here. Okay. Oh, here we go. Awesome from, patron, Luke James Human. Yep, from awesome patron. Absolutely not they had a relationship. It would definitely have been on the cards, but Gail's career was catapulted into the stratosphere while Dewey was undergoing months of surgery and physical rehabilitation. He rejected some initial attempts by Gail to develop their relationship because of his shame and insecurity brought on by dealing with his injuries. Eventually, she gave up and had a number of messy workplace affairs. Thank you, Luke James Human. (laughs) So you're going, oh, messy workplace affairs, because that's what they were talking about in Scream 2. Sure. You are terrible. You are so wrong. All right, let's move on from that. So Patrick Dempsey, he was hired the day before shooting began. He had one night to learn three big dialogue-heavy scenes. I mean, with that hair, how could he not? Ah, McDreamy. (laughs) Is there anything he can't do? I've written him as McDreamy through all my notes. He is McDreamy. Uh, I have too. (laughs) (laughs) He's fantastic. So Carrie Fisher makes a little cameo in this film. Do you know who was originally offered the role? Think along the horror lines, you know. Jamie Lee Curtis. Horror cameo. Very good. There you go. She was offered the role, but she turned it down. Too busy? That was a joke. What was this, 2000? (laughs) Freaky Friday? Would that have been about that time? 
Oh, no, no, no. Freaky Friday was way after that. So the first two Scream films were written by Kevin Williamson, but he was unav- he was unavailable to return to writing it. He did an outline of the film, but in the end, the new writer, Aaron Kruger, basically ignored the entire outline, and his script was mostly written on the fly. There were pages usually completed the day they were about to be filmed. The characters bore so little resemblance to the appearances of their prior films that Wes Craven actually had to do rewrites of that. They were actually rewriting scenes day, basically the day before the scenes were being shot. And they actually kind of make fun of that in the film. Or I think one of the characters talks about, you know, you keep changing the, the scenes all the time. How am I supposed to remember my lines? Yada, yada, yada. Legitimately, they had, you know the, how they have in this film where they, they've recreated the, the first film, like with all the scenes, like the garage and the rooms and all that. Wes Craven had built those without even having a script for why they were in there. He just wanted to make sure that he had these in, the, he had these in his film. That's so weird. Talking about rewrites here, apparently in a 2009 interview, Matthew Lillard had said that he actually had a contract that would rep- reprise his role as the act- like the primary antagonist in this film, apparently having survived his death in the original Scream. He was going to orchestrate a new ghost face attack from prison on high school students and ultimately targeting Sydney. But of course, like we said before, the Columbine massacre took place just before this, so they had to basically clear all that out and Matthew Lillard uh, was not part of the production in the end. I mean, thank God for that. Like, just let him die. Yeah, pretty much. I even saw that. Uh, obviously, Jamie Kennedy is in this film on a on a you know a brief little cameo on a video. They even had considered having him survive the attack and was in hiding, uh, recuperating from his injuries. And they're like, no, uh, no, we can't. That's a bit too far fetched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's too far fetched. That's the one. In <laughs> this movie, that is too far fetched. Yeah, sure. Wes Craven had filmed three different endings and he didn't tell the cast which one it was going to use. The film never had a public test screening. The cast and crew only had their first chance to see the finished product at the premiere because he didn't uh, want any spoiler to be put out on the internet. I really think he uh, overinflates how much people care about this. Mate, I'm telling you that these these films make a ton of money. It's a, it's a big, big deal in the horror community. But this was released on the 3rd of February uh, in 2000 with a runtime of 116 minutes. Now, Dean, we said the tagline for the first film, someone has taken their love of horror films one step too far. And we said in Scream 2, someone has taken their love of sequels one step too far. What do you think the uh, the tagline for this film was? Someone has taken their love of trilogies too far. Ooh, Three incorrect. far. Three far. <laughs> one step too far. Ah. All right. Budget of $40 million and worldwide grossed $162 million. Wow. I mean, that's, that's awesome. Good for them. Yep. I did see some uh, other stats here. It did have the record at the time for the most cinemas released at once. Uh, something like 3,500 cinemas around America. I think it was topped by one of the Harry Potter films a little while later. I mean, that's crazy. But let's look at some scores here, Dean. What do you reckon, critics or audience? I think you shocked me last time with the critics liking this more, so I'll go critics. You are right, but it's not. It's pretty close. Critics have it at 39 and the audience have it at 37. Wow. Metacritic have it at 56. What? Metacritic, always always trying to be different. Bizarre. Letterboxd have it at 2.7 and IMDb currently have it at 5.6, over 121,000 ratings. So low across the board. 
but I'm very curious to see if uh, you think it's low for you too. Why don't we get into it, Dean? Thank you very much, listeners, for checking out this patron preview. Yeah, if you want to check out the whole episode, we've got everything over on at patreon.com slash themoviejourney. And we've got over 70 bonus episodes over there, including film series such as the Die Hard series, X-Men series, Mission Impossible series. We've also gone through some notable film directors such as Wes Anderson, Edgar Wright, and Quentin Tarantino. That's right. There's also tons of benefits over there, early access to our main show, patron-only polls that we put out on the regular. Exactly. You can also shape the show the way you want it to be by telling us what films you would like us to break down. And Dean said it's spot on patreon.com slash themoviejourney. Go ahead and head over there and check out all the rewards and benefits we have to offer. And we thank you once again for checking us out. Thanks, y'all. 